0: Hello, and you're very welcome to Let's Talk Business with me, Susan Smith, taking you this podcast every week where we chat about success. We speak to entrepreneurs globally and locally. We have our 10 to 15 minute chef section every week with world-renowned chef Hugh McGivern, who is now our resident chef, and he cooked for the King of Jordan, no less. He will share some recipes with you every week so you can impress your guests with some really, really nice food. Also, we'll have a nutrition and health section With a fitness trainer who will join us every week also on the podcast Uh, Coming up on today's podcast we have Julie Solomon Who's an entrepreneur, a successful property tycoon from South Africa And Julie talks to us about health, life and success and what it means to her So stay tuned, this is one episode you don't want to miss You're listening to 94.6 and this is Let's Talk Business with me, Susan Smith, broadcasting over the airwaves here in Ireland and online on our podcast show. In the studio with us today, we have business tycoon, public speaker and real estate mogul, Julie Solomon. Julie, you're very welcome to the studio today and we're delighted to have you here.
1: Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be with you.
0: And Julie, you are in South Africa at the moment, am I right in saying that?
1: I am. I'm in Durban, South Africa. It's supposed to be going into autumn, but it is stinking hot at 27 degrees.
0: Julie, you started out in Johannesburg uh, where your father was involved in construction. Do you think this is where your love of property came from?
1: I'm sure. I'm sure it did because, as a youngster, whenever we had school holidays, I would go with my dad to the construction sites and I'd watch them building, <laughs> and um, I'd help them build and put cement on the bricks. Wow. And I'm sure, I'm sure that's where the love of it came from because I still, to this day, love you know renovating, buying a property, fixing it up, flipping it. I love oh, renovating. Oh, <laughs> so,
0: I have to say, it's I'm something so, I, I love myself.
1: <laughs> I, I don't know if you like me, Susan. Every time I finish a project, I go, that's it. I'm never doing it again because it's <laughs> never without this about a few weeks later, I'm raring to tackle the next project.
0: <laughs> it's all part of it. Um, Julie, were you always entrepreneurial growing up?
1: I was, you know, even as a kid at school, I was the one who would um, chop up our, our local delicacy as biltong I'm, I'm sure you have lots of uh, listeners who know what biltong is. <laughs> and I'd chop that into packets and sell it to my classmates. So I always had that spirit within me okay. and um, wanting to be fiercely independent which led me to rather be in charge of my own destiny. I don't think I was very employable when it came to (laughs) following the rules.
0: You know, and I don't think any entrepreneur is ever really employable. I think it's, it's the same across the board when it comes to people who are entrepreneurial. It's just we like to do our own thing. Um, Julie, you. can you talk to us a bit about how you started off in your career, your first job and how all of that led to you buying your first property at 23?
1: Well, you know, I came from your average sort of middle class family, like my mom was always working. She was an executive secretary. We we didn't have money for me to go to university and um, I could never really buckle down and spend hours studying. You know, if I couldn't pull it out the hat instantly it was too much of a task. So I for lack of one of knowing what to do, I followed in my mom's footsteps and actually trained as, as a secretary. And then I got involved in the marketing side, uh, which I really enjoyed on a more creative side. And my career has just snowballed from there and I realized I was good at selling. So I started wrecking. I've sold intraocular contact lenses. Wow. I've sold uh, Ray-Ban sunglasses <laughs> and, and various other things. <laughs> and um, it's just developed. It's de- developed from there and always just looking for something new and exciting. And the opportunity to create something and get other people involved as well, I always find very exciting. So, yes, I have been employed. I've had various jobs, um, great jobs, and um, always felt the need to have my little business on the side. And as I've grown older, that little business has grown and matured. And I feel I like now I finally know what I'm actually doing. Oh, that's
0: fantastic. And when did you decide to branch out on your own?
1: I have been over the years. I've I go in between, sort of being employed, and then I might start a business. I've had two really bad failures when it comes okay. to my own business, um, mainly from not looking into my business partner and not uh, verifying facts. I was too trusting. Okay. And then what? You know, you go into a business that fails, and I go back out and, and get a job. I build up the courage to start it again. And I've learned over the years that um, often, you know, if it's meant to be, it's up to me and you've got to take that ball by the hands and run with it. Have the courage to step out and do it yourself. And I've never had a a failure in property. I I must just add that property has always been very good to me. And um, I started in the property business just merely as an estate agent out of a necessity more than anything. I had a a wonderful job. I was a national sales and operations manager for a division at Unilever. Okay, yeah. But I was a single mum, and my daughter wasn't seeing me much and I thought, you know, this is not for me what being a mum is all about. I was traveling extensively and hardly seeing her. So I thought, right, what can I do that's gonna give me a good income and the flexibility I need? And I thought, well, it's property, and that's what prompted me to start, and 14 years later, I'm still in it and loving it, have my own company, and doing training, and training estate agents, training people how to buy property, and I kind of kicked myself, why didn't I I come to the sooner, you know, but... I absolutely
0: love it. Congratulations, Julia, and congratulations for coming back after your setbacks, because it's not easy when something like that happens in business. But to be able to come back out yeah. and get up again, that's the main thing. Um, I love that expression. If it's meant to be, it's up to me. That's the first time I've heard it. And I have to say it's fantastic. Um, not, not to come off the topic or anything here, but... You have had, um, as many entrepreneurs have had, you've had the setbacks in your life, but uh, one major setback you had was being diagnosed with a brain tumour and I just wanted to ask, how did you cope with such news and how did you continue to stay motivated?
1: You know, Susan, it was quite. I mean, I was only formally diagnosed in August, and then I've had the, the surgery to remove the tumor in uh, middle of January this year, so it's all Yikes. still very new. I'm the kind of person that believes, you know, something happens, you can either curl up and die or put on your big girl panties and move forward.
0: <laughs> Indeed. Wow, that's a great attitude to have.
1: You can't crumble up in a heap. There are people relying on you. You've got to carry on, you've got to be positive. So, yeah, i a tumour i mean who would have thought but to be honest with you i think it was the universe's way of giving me a slap in the face and saying hey slow down down a bit girl you need some time out you can't be at it 24 hours a day well
0: julie is it okay to ask how are you now
1: yeah absolutely um i'm i'm pretty i'm good um i'm not quite 100 percent back to my former self and maybe i won't ever be exactly the same um I am back, you know, working full time. I just get a little bit tired and I have to just accept the fact that, right, you need to stop for an hour, go and have a rest and then carry on. But uh, it's been very hard to stop me. And in fact, my neuro- my neurosurgeon said to me after I saw him after four weeks, and he said, gosh, you know, your recovery has been absolutely remarkable.
0: It's, it's actually incredible listening to you because to listen to you today, you would never, ever think that you had surgery in January. That's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, you the sound... Power-
1: the power of the mind. I really believe that.
0: Absolutely, one hundred percent. The mind controls the body, and if if you've got a, a control of your mind, you're you're on the winning side of it anyway, Julie. Um, but yes, I can't sir. I can't believe how positive you sound, and it's absolutely refreshing to listen to that. But that's that's obviously why you're so successful as well. Um, oh, thank you. Well, the very best, to be. the very best of luck with that. Uh, not that you need it; you've got a strong mind and you're very, very positive And I, I know you'll be okay. Um, Julie, you. did you feel more inspired to succeed after the birth of your daughter?
1: Yes, because you suddenly have this little human being that's reliant on you. Um, unfortunately, my my marriage to her dad didn't last, and I think my daughter was not quite, three, and we separated. Okay. And you suddenly realize that this little human being is is, is so totally reliant on you, and you've got to pull your act together. Um, no one's going to come to your rescue. You know that knight on a white horse? Well, yeah. he left the country. <laughs> <laughs> he switched off the lights and I think he went to Ireland.
0: <laughs> He's stuck in the rain now, so that's his punishment.
1: <laughs> absolutely. He's dripping wet in the rain. Absolutely, and, and having her so absolutely reliant on me, just it did motivate me. It inspired me because I wanted to give her more than what I had. Okay. Um, you know, I. there were times it's been hard and it's been difficult. Of course. But... You just keep going and you throw yourself at it and you just keep going. And sometimes that's what gets you through. It's just that 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 knowledge that you are in charge of someone else's absolute survival.
0: (laughs) Um, Julie, can you talk to us a bit about your experience with coaching and mentoring and who were your first coaches?
1: Oh, I love coaching and mentoring. It's something that I've only come to, from a business point of view, um, later later in life. You know, as a youngster, you're always coached, you're always mentored, whether it's a sport or at school. But as we get older, we're not supposed to need that anymore. We're supposed to know it all. (laughs) Yeah. So it was about four years ago uh, when I met J.T. Fox. I know you've interviewed him as well. Indeed, yeah. And um, I sort of sat in the audience of one, his, one of his presentations. I was like, yeah, okay, maybe. <laughs> and then eventually I thought, give it a go. And it was the catalyst that actually kicked me into gear. It gave me back my belief in myself and that courage to stop being scared and get out there and do it. Because if you don't try, you never know whether you can or not.
0: Yes, indeed. Very, very true. And it's,
1: and it's the coaching that gave me that confidence that, and you know, I think as, as women, we tend to be a bit more self-conscious and lacking in yes. belief in our capabilities. Yes, very true. I don't know why, but we are.
0: And it is true because it is. Women do tend to put themselves down a bit more. They don't accept yeah. praise as easily as men accept it and they don't big themselves up. Yes,
1: absolutely. And, and I have a, a very British mom. Um, she was born in the UK and um that sort of uh, background you know you don't brag about yourself you don't put yourself out there and in fact i've got a lovely story she phoned me up (laughs) one day because she's now back living in the uk oh wow Julie, you put a lot of stuff about yourself on Facebook. Oh, yes. She Are oh, you not bragging a bit too much? I said, No, Mum, it's not bragging. It's called branding.
0: <laughs> Celebrating your achievements also.
1: Yes, absolutely. And it's the way in which you put it across, you know, that you have to you have to make create a brand for yourself and a name for yourself. So absolutely. I just you know, that, that was my upbringing. I had to get a, you know, I had to get away from that as well, and get a, away from that, and
0: uh, and, that's and put myself
1: out there. It's yeah. very
0: much a European thing as well, um, and especially in Norway, but certainly in the UK, and Ireland, and the rest of Europe, it, it's mm. very much a don't brag, don't put yourself out there. Whereas in America, it's the complete yes. opposite.
1: Absolutely. You yeah. know, when you first meet all the American business coaches, you go, wow, you're brash and forward. <laughs> and, then you, and then I sat back and went, wow, well, it's working for them. How do I take a little bit of that confidence and yes. a little bit of that brashness, mix it with a South African heart, and then surely I should have a winning recipe? So, And that that was only four years ago. So wow. uh, I've taken a leaf out of their book and uh started my own uh real estate company and now i've started doing uh coaching as well i really believe that every you know average well not averages in the person but Mm -hmm. so many people should own a property and start building their wealth through it and if only we had somebody showing us how from an earlier age yes we would all be Far more ahead in our financial future.
0: Absolutely, because people get tied into mortgages, and it almost imprisons them for life. Yeah. that's what yeah, it's like, in, in my opinion.
1: So, that's right. No, you're so right. But you know, your people who've maybe owned their own home for 15 or 20 or 25 years, yeah, they've got equity sitting there. Yeah, if they could lease that equity from their home, go out and buy one or two or three investment properties. Yes. And then an income for life and that's one of the things that i'm teaching people how to do that and that's that's quite possibly the best thing i feel
0: anybody can do because people talk about pensions and everybody knows what's happened with in the recession with pensions and stuff Mm -hmm. property property is the best pension anybody could have investment properties yeah absolutely
1: You know, and especially in South Africa, our government's not looking after us. Um, we don't have social uh, schemes as as well as they do in Britain. I'm not oh, sure. Really? Ireland.
0: Ireland is one of the best in the world.
1: Yeah, I mean, we don't have that at all, you know, um, or... I should sorry I shouldn't say we don't have it at all but it's not at the same extent it's not available to everybody and it's okay. you can't live on it so right. you really got to you know make a plan and get out there and secure your own future and I hundred percent believe that property is the way to do it but no one teaches us that in school no
0: I know it's nobody crazy. even talks about it it's just I was fortunate that my mom was constantly telling me to buy properties all of my life but if it mm. wasn't for her Nobody else I have ever come across in my life has ever discussed it.
1: Yeah, that's right. You know? So at the very most, you say, OK, well, I'm going to buy my own home, not realising that that is not an asset.
0: No, absolutely you know, you're not.
1: Off, exactly. You're better off renting a home and buying an investment property. That's going to make you more money in the long run. Yes, of course. Julie. Can I ask you another mm-hmm.
0: question? How does it feel sharing your stories on stage with some of the world's greatest entrepreneurs? Can you talk to us a bit about that?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, it wasn't something I'd planned. And when I did my very first talk uh, a few years ago in, um, in Orlando in the US, I, um, and this probably stems from the a bit of an actress in me, <laughs> um, I had planned this talk for maximum... Um, now you see, this is the the, the surgery slowing me down. With no problem. Take maximum your time. impact. Maximum impact. Okay. And I thought, right, I'll show this photograph. I'll do this because I have a great effect on the audience. You know, it's a bit dramatic. <laughs> and I presented my talk, and I got a fantastic uh, reception. And afterwards, so many people, men and women, came up to me and said, "Julie." You cannot believe what you said resonated with me. And it's made me realize that I need to do X, Y, Z. Wow. About four months later, a couple came to me. I was at a business retreat and they said, do you know that since we uh, we met you in Orlando and we heard you talk, we've each lost 10 or 15 kilograms and it was your talk that inspired us.
0: Wow. I need to hear that talk. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll show you a before and after photograph. And that's when I, I, I basically I was like slapped up against a wall and I thought, Julie, you have a responsibility. It's not just about the effect when you're on stage. What you say is so critically important because you can actually positively impact on other people's lives. That's incredible. That's incredible. And when that penny dropped in, in my mind, I suddenly thought, wow, this can be really something worthwhile and important and sharing what i've been through because i also um at one stage got a very overweight um susan really so. oh Yeah. gosh
0: and you're so <laughs> slim now that's amazing yeah,
1: i did I was just, oh, you know, eating, uh, unhappy, whatever, the yeah. whole story. Yeah. And um, in my talk, I show this photograph. I said, let me introduce you to this woman. And I show a photograph of a, a very overweight woman. I'm talking about 45 kilograms wow. overweight. Oh, gosh. Wow. I talk about the problems this woman experienced. And then I say, um, and it was only when the day that this woman realized there's two things she can do accept herself the way she is, because, you know, uh, some people are comfortable, yeah, you know, of course. overweight. I mean, if they're happy with it, there's nothing That's wrong fine, with it. That's fine, yeah. Either accept yourself the way you are, embrace it and love yourself, or change it if you're not. And then I show a photograph, what well, is a photograph of me then standing on stage, and people audibly go, oh! <laughs> I can't believe the transformation that it was me. And basically I said, you know, if, if I can do it, so can you. Wow. Because I'm no more special or, or, or extraordinary than anyone else in the world. I'm just an average person who is looking for something and looking for something better for herself and her family. And there's no reason why anybody else can't do what I'm doing.
0: Wow, that's fantastic, Julie. That's that's actually incredible. Mm-hmm. I definitely do want to hear that talk. <laughs>
1: But wow, good. And
0: congratulations on the weight loss as well, because it's not an easy thing to do. Um, so yeah. I'm really, really happy for you. To look at you now, you would never, ever believe it, ever. <laughs> um,
1: <Yes. laughs>
0: Julie, what does a typical working week for you involve?
1: For me, I'm still being actively involved in also selling real estate. So um, I could start a day off with a virtually empty diary, And by the end of the day, I could get home at 7 p.m. having seen nine clients, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, made sure the business is operating on the back end on the admin side because I'm very big with uh, customer service and uh, make sure the staff are on track doing what they're doing. And the ability to be flexible Mm -hmm. and being able to change on a ticky, as it were. You know, I could be sitting at my desk doing figures, month end, somebody phones and says, right, I need help with this, or I need to see this property, or can I book for this course? Being able to stop what you're doing, refocus, sort that out, and then get back to what you're doing. So Mm -hmm. it's having that chameleon-like adaptability, which in the formal employment sector would be seen as a negative.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely.
1: they say, come on, Julie, all over the show. But for me, it's actually stood me in good stead because I can take on 10 different tasks at the same time. And um, I get out and about. I meet people. I'm traveling. I've got a tour starting at uh, three weeks' time. We're doing Durban and various venues in Johannesburg. Excellent. Yeah, it's very exciting. And what are you what are you
0: doing training. on the tour, Julie?
1: So we, I do um, a three-hour a presentation to give you the basics on how to learn to buy your first investment property, Excellent. tips and tricks, pitfalls, and just person will walk away with a general knowledge and understanding of um, being able to go out and, and buy either their first property or their second or their third, either financing it or using the equity in their own home. So, I've got a series of, of those planned. Fantastic. Uh, so my day is varied and different. I think that's also what's kept me at it for the last 14 years. Yeah. I've been actively involved in, in property. Yeah.
0: And Julie, what is the goal for the future?
1: The goal for the future. <laughs> <laughs> well, since the brain tumour and the surgery, my, my goals have changed somewhat. So now it is I want to just strive to be successful at what I do. Bring some knowledge and understanding to as many people as that I can help. See my daughter more often. She lives in the States. Be relaxed, be comfortable, be happy and be financially comfortable.
0: That's all I want. That's they they're incredible goals, Julie. And, you know, and you've already achieved them, really. But I mean, if you continue to go the way you're going, you'll always have happiness. Um, Julie, what advice would you give to any business person starting off or any budding entrepreneur starting off in their career?
1: First firstly, have the courage and belief in yourself.
0: That's actually a really, really good a really good point. Yeah. Courage and belief in yourself is the key. Courage and belief yeah. in yourself
1: because that fear of being too scared or being afraid to yep. be what happens if I fail? So what if you fail? <laughs> Try it again? You know? You, you will never know if you and, – and something I remember from my childhood, my mom had always said to me that she would love to have been a singer. She's a beautiful voice. She wanted really? to be a singer in a band. And I think I remember, she said that to me when she was about 60 years old. She turns 80 this year. Wow. And I thought, I don't want that ever to happen to me. I don't want ever to say, oh, if only I tried. Maybe I could have been. Oh, gosh. Get out there, make it
0: happen. There is no pain, like the pain of regret. (laughs) You know, fear.
1: No, absolutely. and to have regret it's it's very sad it's and worse it's,
0: worse than failure
1: it's horrible yeah mm.
0: to fail is no problem once you get up again but to, to have regret is possibly one yep. of for any entrepreneur would absolutely be one of the worst things that you, that you can live yep. with how do people contact you and get in touch with you to go to your seminars or to hear some of your talks
1: oh absolutely um, I'm on Facebook and um, Instagram and um, I'm on email which is at. Juliet- JSProperty.co.za. Um, the Wealth Builder is what we call the uh, training seminars, the property seminars. I'm the Wealth Builder, Julie Solomon, and uh, you can contact me through Instagram. Julie Solomon with another in <laughs> so I'm highly contactable I'm out there and I'm happy, happy to chat to anyone who wants to connect.
0: That's excellent and Julie on our podcast this will actually go out on air but it will also go on a new business podcast that we have uh, being launched online and all of the links to your sites will be listed under the podcast as well. Um, uh, that will be
1: fantastic.
0: Julie I just want to say thank you so much uh, for the interview today. You're true inspiration and I actually feel more positive in myself having just spoken to you for the last 20 minutes.
1: Oh, Susan, that's wonderful. And I really admire you as well. I think what you're achieving as a, as a young woman is fantastic. So keep doing it. Keep striving. Keep being brilliant. And it um, would be wonderful one day I can actually meet you face oh, to face. I'd,
0: I'd love that, Julie. I hope so. And if you're ever in Ireland, I will take you on a guided tour of the country. In the rain. But it, a guided I'm t- going
1: <laughs> to take you up on that. Do you know, I actually, my grandfather, who I never met, was Irish. So, I've never been to Ireland. Oh I've never my gosh. met to So, it's uh, definitely on the bucket list. We'll definitely have to speak again, Julie.
0: You're very welcome to Let's Talk Business with me, Susan Smith. And now for our chef's section of the podcast, we have Hugh McGivern on the line. Hugh, how are you?
2: I'm fine, Susan. How are you?
0: I'm great. Nice Nice to speak to you again, Hugh. I believe you have some recipes for us tonight that you are going to um, basically talk about so that our listeners can impress others in the kitchen.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got three really nice recipes this evening. One's nice. It's a nice omelette. But it's a variation of an omelette, and it's really nutritious, really healthy. It's a bit different from a normal omelette, but it's really nice, I can guarantee. And it's simple, and it's one pan. I like one pan. I don't like (laughs) hundreds of pans, because I normally have to wash up.
0: Do you want to discuss with us how to make this uh, omelette?
2: Right, so the omelette, there's quite a few ingredients in it, actually. It starts at the same, three eggs. Okay. But the secret with this omelette, this is my ultimate omelette, I call it. Mm. and what you do is you separate the eggs you put the egg whites in one bowl make sure the bowl is really very really clean because you're going to have to whip the eggs up and in another bowl you put the egg yolks with the egg yolks you're going to add some quark the quarks it's, it's a dairy product but it's really high in protein so see people who need to be able to a little bit of energy and a bit of people who go to the gin and stuff yeah. this is perfect for them and also grate in a little bit of fresh parmesan just to give a little bit of kick. Then you you beat that up as well with, a, with, with just a fork or something. Not the same whisk as you're going to whisk, whisk, whisk the eggs. With the eggs, you whisk them up. You whisk the life of them to the almost soft peaks. You have to put them soft peaks because there's a reason for it. So get your pan on the stove. Sorry, you're going to need a little bit of spinach here. A little handful of spinach. So... Put the pan on the stove, a frying pan with quite a high side on it, a little bit of butter on it, a little bit of oil, and just add the spinach. Then put a lid on it. Take it off the heat. Leave it there for about a minute and a half, two minutes. Take the lid off. Spinach with the spinach would have wilted. Empty that onto a plate with some kitchen paper and let the excess water come off it. Put a little bit of seasoning on that as well. Now, here's the magic wipe that pan clean. Put it back on the heat. Again, a little bit of butter, a little bit of oil. Don't be mistaken, don't use margarine. It's rubbish. Heat it up. Meanwhile, add the egg and quark and parmesan mix to the egg whites and fold it together so you retain the air and get them quite well mixed. The pan should be nice and hot now. Now tip the egg white and the yolk mix into the pan. Do not move it. Normally, with omelette, you get a fork in there. You don't touch this one. What you do now is you spread the spinach across the top. Just lift up, put it across the top. Put a lid on it. Now here, you can either put it in a warm oven to cook, but the top, the the, the top of your stove is fine. Reduce the heat to between low and medium, and it will take about four or five minutes to cook. After that, lift off the lid, fold it in half, tip on you. A little bit of seasoning in it and enjoy it. And it'll be, it'll be really big. Wow. It'll be sort of like three, four inches tall or somewhat. That... It's really light and fluffy and it's just superb. It'll impress your friends as well if you do for friends.
0: It sounds incredible. And it sounds like you would be, you could, how many people would that serve? Two children. Right. Usually, for a supper. You know? Nice, and a nice healthy supper at that as well. Um, the ingredients are relatively healthy too. And the, che- the whole thing probably costs less than a pound. Wow, a healthy meal for less than a pound, you can't actually Which get better good. than that. And you yeah. reckon t- to just put it in the oven, or when you say the top of your stove, what do you mean? Just w- w- where you
2: cook it, you know, on the fire. You oh,
0: know, yeah. yeah. I mean,
2: I've, I've got an induction stove, so I just keep it on top of the heat. Ah, right. The secret is to, lo- to load the heat.
0: Okay, and will it cook because right
2: through? It'll cook straight through. out. It literally takes a couple of minutes.
0: Without being flipped but, but, over.
2: But keep the lid on it as well. The lid, because it, then you don't let any of the heat out. Right. And it, it fluffs straight up. It's it comes up like a shiffle. Oh,
0: nice. Very, very nice. Then
2: get, your, get your spatula in, flip it in half, flip it onto your plate, a little bit of seasoning on it, and eat it straight away.
0: So that's just, you, that's your omelet, your special omelet. Um do you have an ultimate omelet. The I call it my ultimate omelet. Ultimate omelet. Now I will give out details of the recipes because you have all of the recipes uh on your blog as well, Hugh, is that right?
2: I have, yeah, yeah. You can find them at hncconsulting dot dot com. Excellent. And they're all there. And if there's ones without pictures, just write to me and complain and I'll put a picture on it.
0: Excellent. So that's the ultimate omelette. Now, coming up next, we have something that I'm really interested in because I absolutely love crab cakes. So we've got a delicious crab cake recipe here and you're going to talk us through how to make this.
2: I am. The crab cake's lovely. And again, it's simple, doesn't cost a fortune to make it dead easy. And it's nice if you're leaving your home for a starter with some some salad or there's a little canopy, you know, just a little fried canopy to eat friends with a dose Mm. of wine.
0: Delicious, that, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, do you want to give us the recipe for this and tell us how we go about making it ourselves?
2: I will. I will. I will. Thank you. So, I use tin crab. They okay. They're screaming in of tea Tin crab. Tin crab is just as good. So, get yourself a tin of crab. Open it up, squeeze out that excess water because you don't need that. Tip that. Wa- tip the crab into a nice clean bowl, and add some really finely chopped spring onions then on top of that, a tiny bit of chilli. depending on, your, on your, how much chilli you like, some people won't put any in. I'll put a tiny little bit in it. Uh, fresh the lime juice. If you have it, nampla. Nampla is just Indonesian or Asian fish sauce. It's quite salty because you're not going to have salt for the fish. If you don't have the nampla, don't worry about it. Uh, two medium eggs. Then you're going to have... If you can get a thing called suet, which is a goat's cheese. If you can't get the the goat's cheese, suet just means whisk. It's a French word for whisk. They're very posh. And if you can't get that, just get some nice cream cheese with some herbs in it. It's up to you. Or just get some plain ones. Then you add a tablespoon of hoisan sauce or oyster sauce. Then some... Fresh breadcrumbs. A little bit of coriander, if you like it, and you mix all this together really, really well. The secret now is to chill it for at least three to four hours in your fridge. After you've chilled it, turn your beef fryer on to the 175 degrees. Take your fish cakes. So if you fancy you can use two spoons. So you dip the two spoons, you dip the spoons into cold water. You lift a spoon, flout, and if you other a spoon, you make a shape like a walnut. It's called a quenelle. If you don't, just do it by hand. If you're making the balls, little fish cakes into balls, just make sure your hands have got a little bit of oil on them. It stops all the crab sticking to your hands. When you've made the ball, flatten it slightly, and with your thumb, make a dent in the top of it for a reason in a minute. When you've made all your crab cakes, deep fry them. Take about two or three minutes to deep fry them. About one and a half to two minutes on each side take them out let them drain on some kitchen paper then with the dimple that's in it if you get some you get it in the supermarkets. It's sweet chilli sauce take a spoonful of that and two spoonfuls of mayonnaise mix the both of them together and with a teaspoon put a little bit in the dent of each fish cake and it makes it look really nice and serve them serve them some starter serve them with some salad just do I don't eat them all at the same time and there you go I <laughs> really nice simple crab
0: cake Wow Hugh they sound absolutely amazing like I love crab cakes and I'm actually going to make those myself now um, at the weekend and I'll probably end up eating them all myself so that's your crab cake recipe there um, and they're just called crab cakes on your blog Yeah Okay there, Yeah. and lastly our third uh, recipe Hugh what have you got for us This evening
2: it's one of my favourites. It's a sausage roll.
0: Ooh, everybody sausage loves a
2: sausage everybody. roll. Everybody loves it. But there's too many bad sausage rolls out there. So this sausage roll is a little bit different. Okay. So shall I continue?
0: Absolutely. Let us know how we make it.
2: Right, the sausage roll, dead easy. So if you went to the supermarket and your butcher, if he is off cut support, of both smoked and unsmoked get some. If you don't, go to the, meat, the, the pork section in your supermarket and you'll see cooking bacon. And it's a packet of bacon, so it's 75 pence for a pound. Get a packet of that. Now The secret with this is to chop it finely by hand. It takes ages, but it's it in the end. If you can't chop it by hand, put it in a food processor and blitz it up. Put this into a bowl. Take one Bramley apple. This is for about a 500, 500 gram mix. So 500 grams of pork, one brown of apple, peeled, cored, and grate that into the mix. And mix it really, really well. Then add two large fresh eggs and about 100 grams of fresh breadcrumbs. Now mix this really, really well. Do not add salt, just a little bit of pepper. If you have a thing called onion jam in your cupboard, which is basically red onions, fry them quite fast in some oil, then add a splash of balsamic, then add a big pinch of sugar, then a little splash of red wine. Cook it on quite high heat, keep stirring it, and it will reduce to a jam. Let it cool a little bit, add that to your mix. Now mix all that up really, really well. Put it in the fridge for a minute. Meanwhile, Get yourself some puff pastry, you either buy the block or by the ready-rolled sheet. Roll your pastry out, so it's about half a centimetre thick. You'll need a, another egg here to so get egg wash. And take your sausage meat from the fridge and make it into a sausage shape. Now, I like mine quite thick, so mine's is probably I think mine's a stick that I like. Like a stick of rock, and I sort of think that's a slightly thicker. Put it along the pastry, egg wash the far side of the pastry, then roll the pastry over. So you're flipping it from the, the, the side that's closest to you, away from you. Then roll it over with a sharp knife. Cut it, then press it around to make sure it's sealed. And if you've got enough, repeat it again. So you've got two big rolls, sausage rolls. What you want to do is egg wash it now. So break your egg, whisk it up, and with a pastry brush. Brush it really, really well. Turn on your oven to about 190 degrees. Get a nice tray, put some bake, baking parchment on it. Cut your sausage rolls at about 10, 10 centimeters, is quite big enough, and bake them in the oven for about 30 35 minutes. And they'll come kind out of golden and gorgeous and taste porky and apple. And they're wonderful and they're very easy and dead cheap.
0: Oh my gosh. There you go. And that's it. Hugh, I tell you something. Now. <laughs> my mouth is actually watering after listening to that recipe. They sound amazing. Um, wow. <laughs> so, have you a special name for these sausage rolls? Have you a special name for your sausage rolls? No, that's just a nice nice pork and apple sausage roll. Pork and apple sausage roll. Well, Hugh, that's absolutely fantastic. We've three amazing recipes there. We have the ultimate omelette, the delicious crab cakes and the pork and apple sausage rolls our listeners are going to be able to impress their friends uh, and their partners in the kitchen by cooking these. Hugh, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast for your weekly contribution on our chef section and no doubt we'll speak to you again next week.
2: Thank you Susan, it's an absolute pleasure. Catch you soon.